Welcome to episode 282 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we discuss the road home to the top four and top eight in the NRL, state of origin returning to Perth, and much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 282 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you doing this week? Dr. T, I am so excited as we are now finally on the footpath to the finals. Um, (laughs) Not far now. Before we get there, and uh, and it wouldn't be uh, the footpath to the finals without a little bit of technical difficulties that we've had trying to get this show to the audience. But how you been? Oh, uh, not too bad. Look, I thought I thought for a minute there you were talking about the the uh, the other code of football that is having their finals at the moment. It's Matilda's uh, taking over the 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 universe at the moment. Apparently, I saw something mm. today that their uh, their game last night against Denmark. Um, TV ratings, uh, we're going to talk wow. about this at some point, uh, defeating last year's NRL and AFL grand final ratings nationwide. Um, wow. We we are in trouble, Rugby League fans, mm. because the Giant has been sleeping and it's about to be awoken and it's the women that have shaken up the Giant. It's not the yeah. men, it's the women that have done it. And, uh, wow, yeah. that's and this isn't even a final <laughs> It's the it yeah. wasn't even a quarterfinal. It was a round of sixteen game, yeah. and uh, yeah, look, absolutely. if they make on it all Monday. the way on a Monday night, <laughs> it's yeah. just Monday like, night football failed. You know, you know, all those marketing, uh, advertising, uh, TV gurus that 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 tell us about all the various things about, you know, the the data and stats are telling us that Sunday afternoon is not as good as Wednesday evening because of X Y Z. Rip it up mm. because. People will watch something that that captivates their imagination. I think that's the real key Absolutely. lesson here. And regardless of which sport, and look, I know we're, we're a rugby yeah. league podcast, but we have to we have to mm. tip tip a hat tip of the hat to the uh, Matildas and and soccer in general, and and all the ladies out there that are um, you know that are involved in sport in any capacity because. That was a huge win for you guys last night in terms of, uh, mm. you know, arriving on the centre stage um, and big time in terms of the uh, the TV ratings. And I wanted to mention it because, you know, as we talk about, uh, we'll talk about this later, you know, state of origin going to new frontiers in Perth and building building the, the kind of the, the – the, the laying the groundwork for expansion and all that sort of stuff. You know, while we talk about this, these things, let's just remember that we've got quite a few hurdles ahead of us in terms of, you know, competition for other from other sports and, and all that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, let's not forget the, the women's game in rugby league as well is also, you know, moving from strength to strength. So there's a lot to talk about, but yeah, yeah, look, I, yeah, so, yeah, sorry look, to start with the right yeah, soccer no, no. thing, but yeah, that's what's happening here. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I mean, they had capacity uh, at the game, and um, you know, like, uh, I actually watched it in the city at a at a bar uh, with other people, and it was it was a great atmosphere. And 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 like these girls are superstars in Australia now. So um, that's what you do when you run a World Cup properly, right? It, you know, there was probably not that many teams that could win it, but still, just the way they've laid it out and the excitement around it, they've really uh, cap- captivated, captured the the attention of the Australian people. That's right. And I have to say the other thing that people have been mentioning about, even some of the lesser-known games have been, you know, pretty much close to capacity or, you know, l- lots of people there. And there's something to be said about uh, affordable tickets. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just, yes. putting it out, just putting it out <laughs> there, NRL and others. Uh, you know, the fact that you could go to watch one of these games uh, at, as cheaply as you could uh, and yeah. cheaper than you could the average NRL game really says something, I think. Yeah. So I think that's something well, in that for us. Yeah. If you're a Dane, right, like... Uh, like I think there's, ten, there's 10 of them in Australia, yep, yep. Yeah, <laughs> Go yeah. Well, I mean, yes, but if you are a Dane in um, in, in Daneland... Um, <laughs> Denmark. <laughs> Denmark, right? Denmark, yeah, right? right. Daneland, yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. You're going to pay what? Two and a half, three thousand dollars return plus accommodation to to come and support your nation. I mean, you charge a hundred bucks or whatever on the ticket. Like, yeah, you're just not going to get the international people there, right? But if you charge ten bucks, it's going to get people there. Yeah, and even if you did that, it would still be cheaper than attending a Lionel Messi game at Inter Miami <laughs> at the moment <laughs> yeah, that's, from that's true, the going that's rates true. from what I've seen. Yeah. Um, all right, look, enough of that. Let's let's talk rugby league because we have had a cracker of a an NRL round, last round, lots to talk about. Um, let's get into it. Tackle number one. Here we go, the round 23 review. All right, round 23 has just concluded. Some great games to talk about. Sydney Roosters started it off 26-16 over the Manly Warringah Seagulls at the Sydney Cricket Ground. The Gold Coast Titans defeated 28-18 at the hands of the New Zealand Warriors uh, at their own home ground, Seabus Super Stadium, in front of a good 20,000, 21,000 or so fans. Um, round 20,000 also saw Penrith Panthers 26-6 over the Melbourne Storm at Bluebet Stadium. Uh, the Cowboys, well, actually, the, sorry, the Broncos, 30-14 to 14 over the Cowboys at Queensland Country Bank Stadium in front of 22,000. And the doubleheader in Perth at Optus Stadium, the Dolphins defeated 30-28 to 28 at the hands of the Newcastle Knights, and that was followed up by the Sharks, 26-16 over the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And that was a crowd of 14. Parramatta Eels, 26-20, to 20, uh, overcoming a 10-point deficit against the Dragons at Combank Stadium in front of around 23,500 fans there. And finally, the Raiders, 22-18, to 18, controversially winning over the West Tigers at GIO Stadium in front of about, about 13,000 or so fans. Um, and the Bulldogs had the bye. Tish, uh, I'm pretty pretty sure I know which game you're going to gravitate towards in terms of the lowlights of the round. But let me just point out, couple of key ones um warriors are keeping on winning away from home and that, again mm. that's a one of the things that we've used to talk about the warriors in the past that they, they were great at home but then travel not so well um 
the Panthers, 26 to 6, you know, almost shut out the Melbourne Storm. In fact, the Melbourne Storm scored first. So it was really like oh, 26 unanswered mm. points from the Panthers. Um, Broncos continue to win. They, you know, put paid to the issue of uh, the Cowboys winning, uh, you know, in, in a winning uh, on, on the trot that they kind of comfortably beat them. Uh, the Cowboys, so so much for that. Um, you know, a bit of a setback for the Cowboys. They're still in the hunt for the top eight. Um, and then you see, look, South Sydney, to me, uh, disappointing. I don't know what, what's happened to them. Latrell Mitchell coming back, uh, famously the highlight, or lowlight really, if you're a Rabbitohs fan, was uh, him completely getting wrong-footed by one of the Sharks players. Um, looked like he gave up. You know, it, it actually looked like he, he's, you know, there's the usual th- memes that you'll see on the internet about, oh, he broke his ankle. <laughs> you know, like, um, it looked like that. It looked like he sort of was wrong footed and he just gave up. He didn't even try uh, chasing. A lot of people notice that. So there's a lot of anti Latrell Mitchell kind of sentiment at the moment. You know, is was he ready? Was he match fit? Is he a bit lazy at the moment? Uh Where's his attitude? That kind of thing. A lot of people thinking that the Rabbitohs are have been a bit cocky lately. Don't know about any of that, but um, you know that's that's again they had an opportunity here to defeat the Sharks, and this has to be one of the first games in a while that the Sharks has actually defeated a top eight team, and mm. uh, essentially I think has pushed the. Uh, I have to look at the uh, the uh, the ladder in a minute. I'll just bring it up and then I'll go through it, but. Um, I think the the Rabbitohs dropped because of that um, out of the top eight. Let me just double check. They might still be there. Bear with me. No, actually, they're still. Well, they drop. They drop, but they're still eight. So there you go. And in fact, um, the Eels' victory against the Dragons. Um, look, if they had uh, actually put a game plan together and uh, <laughs> flogged flogged them like I expected them to, we would have been talking about the Eels being in the top eight because the points difference is quite close between Rabbitohs and Eels. It's only 15 points different. So really, the Eels have only themselves to blame for not being in top eight as we speak because uh, that will come back to bite them, uh, no doubt, in, in future because they've got a few tough games ahead. Um, let me go through the top eight and uh, and then I'll, um, I'll, I'll throw to you. So the top eight is the Panthers, Broncos, equal on 36 points. Panthers, of course, for and against uh, on top. Warriors on 32 points, so four points back, but in third place on their own. Then you've got the Storm and the Raiders equally on 30 points. Then the Sharks on 28 points in sixth place. Knights, 27 uh, points in seventh place. Rabbitohs, Eels, Cowboys, equal eighth, although Rabbitohs in the eight uh, on 26 points. And then one point behind them is the Seagulls on 25. One point behind them is the Roosters on 24. Mathematically, I think both the Roosters and the Seagulls could make it. But as we'll talk about later, we think that, um, you know, really it's going to be pretty tough for them, (laughs) Uh, both the Seagulls and the Roosters to make it. Um, But yeah, Tish, uh, look, over to you. What were your highlights for the round? And, uh, and yeah, let's, uh, let's go for it. What do you think? Okay, look, uh, look. What I think. I mean, uh, okay. First, first game. I uh, look. I always look forward to Thursday night footy. Um, but this game, uh, although it was supposed to be exciting, I don't know if it's the Sydney Cricket Ground and me just don't get along or something like this. But yeah, it was it was very boring. Um, so uh, so at and I, and I can watch any NRL game, but. Uh, but I, I was channel flicking this one. I've got to say. So, um, 
but sort of come back and then like you know I thought the Manly like I thought they had a golden opportunity. I think this was a must win for the game. I knew it was a must win game for both of them um, because we both said that a Matthew Man can make it. But I mean, if Manly had won this game, they would have uh, they would have been right in the thick of it. They could have gone all the way. But I think they lost this one crucially. I don't know what happened. And then you know the Roosters finally played well. Um, and that and that was that. Um, and then obviously, you know, pa- the Panthers and the Storm. You know, uh, I was, uh, you know, I think I even tipped the Storm, but I was, I, I was thinking that this could be a, a bit of an upset. But then, um, you know, the Panthers they showed why they've been the top team for the last three years, and uh, now they're, you know, they're they're squaring up as favourites, aren't they? They sort of can't put a foot wrong. Um, you know, a month into the uh, a month before we get into the finals. Um, yeah, Broncos keep on winning um, against the Cowboys, who are sort of slipping a little bit. I think it's the second loss on the trot. Could be wrong there, but it's, yeah, just, yeah, something crazy. Um, you know, the Knights still winning, right? They, they're sort of, um, they're, they're an informed team at the moment. I think they've, uh, I think it's at least four or five wins in a row now. So um, the Knights are really uh, running home. Um, and then, yeah, crucial win to the Sharks. And, yeah, the Latrell Mitchell, um, you know, try where he was wrong-footed. And I did think that too. But I, but I just think that it's been a tough season for South, right? So, I mean, at the start of the year, they were like, I thought, wow, these guys are a genuine chance. And then, I don't know, something after Origin, I don't know if they're tired out or something like that. But but just, yeah, there's something with the whole squad. Uh, I, I just don't want to put on Latrell because he's coming back from injury and I think you've got to give him a bit of time, right? Because um, I think it's uh, – what I've noticed a few years ago, Ryan Peppenhausen came back after a long layoff and he wasn't Ryan Peppenhausen for the first two or three rounds and then he really kicked in the gear. I feel like fullback's one of these positions. You just can't come in after a long injury and then you know expect to be a world beater straight away. So I think you've got to give him time. But I think overall the Rabbitohs, they've, they've, they've really been mixed over the last few weeks. And, um, yeah, I don't know uh, what uh, what they can do to change that. But that's, uh, yeah, I worry about them a little bit. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then we get to Sunday. And I've got to say, Sunday, not just in uh, the NRL games, but even the NRLW game between the Tigers and the Raiders, that was, that was a phenomenal game as well. That was a great game. Come down to the last try. And then both these games came down to the last try too. Although I've got to say the Dragons look really, really good for most of that game against the uh, Panthers and as you uh, against the Eels, I should say. And yeah, Doctor T, I think you're right. Like I think the the Eels had a golden opportunity to really put on a big win, potentially get themselves in, you know, a bit further up uh, using for and against. Um, but they find themselves in a in a really difficult position now, and it's unfortunate because I think they are better than what the the results have shown this year and. Um, you know, the Dragons kind of showed what they can do when they're motivated. So, you know, very interesting like that. The final game came down to a to a finish. The Tigers, they kind of left it right until the end. Yes, there are a couple of forward passes. I know we'll talk about them. There's a couple of decisions that went uh, the wrong way type thing. But, um, you know, in the end, it's, you know, I think the good teams can overcome bad decisions, <laughs> right? And I think we just got to be clear, the West Tigers... Uh, yeah, they can't call themselves a good team yet, you know. And uh, I also think on the other side, you know, the Raiders, they're winning games they shouldn't be winning, um, which I think is actually a sign of a team that can do well. So, um, you know, the Raiders, uh, even though it wasn't their best win, it was a win at the end of the day. And it does uh, put them solid in, in, the, in the top eight, uh, which I think is, 
which is very important to them. And I think they've got a good chance to get into the top four, uh, which we will be talking about um, shortly. But, yeah, look, a great round of football. And um, I certainly felt that this round, for me, like, you know, the finals, they're not that far away. And you can tell that the focus is really in on some of these clubs. And, you know, um, we're, we're, we're seeing who who is actually – going to be there and who's not. So, uh, yeah, but look, I think the, the footy's been fantastic and uh, let's hope that, you know, some of these uh, some of these supporters of, you know, from other nations, you know, check out a bit of rugby league and, and get hooked because I think the games coming up are going to be phenomenal. I think you're right. This is our opportunity to talk about rugby league to people who are here for the World Cup. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Um, but well, look, the other thing, a, a final comment, uh, I, I, you mentioned the Raiders. The Raiders are very, they're a bit of an anomaly at the moment. Um, mm. They come in fifth, equal fifth, equal fourth really with the Storm, but fifth technically because of their four and against. <laughs> they're the only team yeah. in the entire top 10, all the way down to the Cowboys really, <laughs> Yeah, with a negative points differential, the negative <laughs> seventy four. It's not even negative six or negative four. Negative seventy four. Yeah. So look, yeah. I I'd have to look back at, at what's really happened, but they tend to win games. They either win games or they get flogged. <laughs> that's yeah. I think yeah. that's that's the real what it comes down to. Um, because yeah. they, you know, they're they're um, the, in terms of their for and against. Yeah, yeah. yes, they're probably one of the lowest in uh, attack, but they're uh, terrible at the defense. <laughs> that's yeah. a, that's well, the, the thing. That's the difference. So, yeah, it's a really unusual. They're a bit of an anomaly. I can't explain it. There are probably a few games, you know, you can probably add that 66-0 or whatever it was at one point. I th- was it? Was there a – no, maybe I'm thinking someone else. But they must have been flogged a few times during the year that really sort of brings that down. But – how do you mathematically work out that you're in, you know, you've won 12, lost eight, and yet you are negative 74, and that makes no sense, <laughs> no sense at all. Yeah. But anyway. Well, well, the Titans, who are 13th and who are known for for having a really great attack uh, and known for not being able to make a tackle, uh, have a better for it against that's right at 13th like that's unbelievable right so i don't i don't know where the raiders are at but uh you know and and then you know like you watch them as well uh like they're 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 clearly uh the heaviest team in the competition and um but they've got second roles that could kick right you know like chip and chasing and everything so yeah (laughs) it's an they're an interesting team definitely Absolutely. In fact, let me just uh, let me just sort of look quickly at NRL.com has this really good feature where you can look at the draw and just focus on the team. So if I'm looking at, you know, they've had a, they had a few close losses. They got smashed by the Panthers in round five, 53 to 12. That wouldn't have helped. Um, scrolling down, scrolling down. They got smashed by Manly in round 12, 42 to 14. All the others are kind of pretty close, and they got kind of flogged by the Warriors, thirty-six to fourteen. Uh, what else? And that's it. So really, three floggings, and the rest of them have been very close. And that, and at the end of it, that's that's where you end up with uh, a negative seventy-four for and against. Really unbelievable. But anyway, 
let's not talk about them any any further. We are going to now go into two tackles uh, where we're going to uh, look ahead at the race for the top four and the top eight separately. Um, so we've divvied it up so that we can focus on uh, really the teams that are most likely in our view to get into those positions. So let's go with tackle number two. We're going to talk about the top four, the race for the top four. Here we go. The race for the top four is what we're going to talk about now. And really there are, well, there are kind of three teams that um, uh, we uh, we propose are most likely to get into that fourth spot. Um, we, we're, if um, just for round, uh, for it to be kind of, um, well, there's four games left and we've got, Really, the Warriors currently aren't third, but this is who they have coming up. They've got the Tigers, the Seagulls, the Dragons, and the Dolphins. All of them outside the top eight. I think it's fair to say, given the way the Warriors are playing, that they, uh, they're they very likely to stay in that top four position. Uh, yeah. currently, so currently they might finish third. fourth, but I think they've got a fourth spot secured, right? They, pretty much, yeah. 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 So, so really, then the attention focuses on who are currently, and, and I think we can rule them out as coming out of the top four. I think the f- top three are secured. Panthers, Broncos, Warriors are very likely to stay somewhere about in the top three, which is great news for all of those teams. Congratulations, according to RLR, we are predicting you're in the top three. Um, yeah. There are three teams though we think are most likely. We could probably throw in a fourth team, but really it's three teams that are most likely to make uh, that remaining top four position. So currently we've got, as I said, Storm at fourth, Raiders at fifth, and Sharks at sixth. Um, and so Storm are on 30 points, Raiders on 30, and Sharks on 28. So they're one win behind. Um, so let's look at who they've got coming up in the next four games. Neither of them, like, none of them have buys, but if you look at the Storm, they've got, the Raiders, the Dragons, the Titans, and the Broncos. Um, so, you know, realistically, the next game with the Raiders is going to be a real turning point. If they're able to defeat the Raiders, um, that puts them in an advantage because then they'll have, you know, Dragons, Titans, and Broncos. Two of those most likely will win. Broncos will be kind of a 50-50. So, really, there's a couple of games there where... 50-50. So let's just say, you know, conservatively, that where I think I would expect the Storm to win two out of the four games. That means that brings them to at the very least 34 points. Um, but it could they could win all of them. They could go all the way up to 38. So that that really uh, really means that you know they're they're probably in the prime position given that they're already got a great for and against compared to the Raiders. If you look at the Raiders, so again, the turning point is the next game against the Storm, but then they've got Bulldogs, Broncos, and Sharks. Um, now, if you look at, you know, the let's just assume that they won't beat the Broncos. That Who knows? But the Broncos are kind of doing very well this year. So that really leaves three other games, Bulldogs and Sharks. Um, you know, I would expect the Raiders to defeat the Bulldogs quite easily, so I would expect that's a, a very definite win there. Um, but then the Sharks, look, the Sharks traditionally don't do so well against other top eight teams this year, uh, certainly mm. not last year either. So 
I think it's fair to say that the Raiders would be in prime position to win both of those games. So that really leaves, again, conservatively, I would expect them to win probably two of those games. Um, I don't think they would win four. So I think they've got less of a chance of getting, uh, you know, the four wins than, say, the Storm do based on previous performances. However... And I think also the four and against, right? (laughs) And also the four and against. So really this, to me this really comes down to the next game. So this Storm Raiders next clash is kind of crucial, right? If if the mm. Storm, if the Raiders can beat the Storm, that puts them, you know, that means that they're ahead of the Raider, uh, the Storm. Uh, and and uh, that means that then the Storm are going to be chasing them for their remaining three games. It still means that they will have an advantage because, like I said, Dragons and Titans, I don't think any of those can beat them. Broncos could beat them. So still, I think the Storm are in prime position. So let me let me pause there before I go to the Sharks. What do you think about that analysis of both Storm and Raiders and how really, you know, the next game is really the most crucial for them? Yeah, I, I think I would agree because, it, um, you know, I, I think both of them you could say that they've got a fair chance of winning two of their four. Um, but you know, one of the games is against each other, right? So it 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 becomes almost their much win. And I think the Raiders, um, out of these uh, teams, definitely have the tougher end of it because they've also got to play the Sharks, who we're about to talk about as well, right? So, um, you know, out of their remaining four games, two of them are with you know teams that they're competing with. Um, so they've got to they've probably got to win both of those. And then, yeah, so, yeah, but they probably won't beat the Broncos. So, yeah, so I think that's where it comes down to. Um, yeah, I think after, put it this way, after this week, what we know about the Storm and Raiders, provided they don't draw, right? Um, <laughs> oh, no, I didn't consider that. Oh, geez. <laughs> but it would be it would be clear, I think, between these two teams which ones are going to make it. But it definitely looks like, the storm are in a really good position um, based based on what we've just gone through with these two teams. Yeah, I, I think I think they would be considered favourites. And look, for argument's sake, we're going to talk sharks as well. The sharks have, okay. re, you know, four games coming up. Uh, probably two of those. Well, actually, I'll see for yourself. You've got the Titans, the Cowboys, the Knights, and the Raiders. Now, given that they kind of demolished South Sydney. <laughs> Um, at least mm. for the most for most of the game, there was a bit of a. I, I think we we didn't mention, but the South game against the Sharks was actually very interesting because the Sharks were really flogging them and then let you know let down their guard and really Souths almost came back um, and and were sort of coming home with the uh, flying basically, um, but didn't quite put it all together at the end. So quite disappointing for them. But the Sharks. Um, you know, are entitled to sort of believe that they've got, uh, you know, they've got an opportunity against some of those teams. Look, I think if we look at the Titans, they probably might win that. I don't know if they can even win any of the other three. Cowboys, Knights and Raiders. (laughs) Um, I don't know if they can do that. So really we're looking at possibly, you know, if they win two of those, they could go from 28 to 32. And I think that yep. would be a, probably the maximum that you could expect. I don't expect the Cowboys. Like Cowboys and Sharks were in the top four both last last year, so I think the Cowboys would be desperate. Um, they are also going to be coming off a bye in round twenty five when they 
played the Sharks. So that's a real tough game for the Sharks, um, playing up against a rested Cowboys. Um, so, yeah, I just wonder whether – and then the Knights and the Raiders. I think the Knights, you know, they'll be coming off uh, s- some strong wins most likely. And, and again, the desperation, you know, they've got everything to play for, the Knights at that point. That might be very, very difficult for the Sharks. But then again, look, the Sharks, having defeated the Rabbitohs the way they have, you could probably consider them favourites for that one. Who knows? But the Raiders at the very end, if we're at the point where a top four spot is up for grabs, don't r- rule out the Raiders uh, defeating the Sharks. So, look, I'm thinking there the Sharks probably will get to 32, but not much more than that. So I think that won't be enough to get them into the top four. So I think we can kind of, you know, if you agree, Tish, we can probably rule out the Sharks. So really it's about the Storm v Raiders at this point. Who is going to be on top? Um, I think the Sharks have a relatively tougher draw going into the, uh, the, the playoffs compared to the Storm and the Raiders. What do you think? Um, uh, well, actually, yeah, I, I might argue that a little bit because they yeah. are one game. They're one game less, right? Yeah. But realistic, uh, then, then, but look, if you look at it from this point of view, um, you know, the the Storm have got, well, the Storm is on the same position as, as the Raiders, right? Um, but they've only got two games against teams lower than them, right? Um, the Raiders, you know, they're the same as, as, as the Storm in terms of points. Um, They've only got two get two. Oh well, they've got the Sharks as well. I think yeah, they've got two teams because they've got to play the Broncos as well, right? So they've got two teams out of their four that are lower than them. However, the Sharks have three teams lower than them: the Titans, the Cowboys, and Knights, right? So they do actually have a fairly good position um, to to win on just based on the like where everybody's currently positioned on the ladder and where the Sharks are relative to them, right? But as you know, the big hiccup for the Sharks in this, I suppose, run that they've had over the last two years as a, as a, as a, um, you know, top, well, last year they were top four. I mean, they've been making the top eight consistently over the last few years, but then last year they, they made it to the top four. So they, they kind of had a bit of a breakout this year. They've been able to maintain, even though they're probably slightly lower than what they were last year. Um, but the big knock on them over the last two years has been, hey, they can't beat other teams in the top eight. But then, you know, that kind of also presents a golden opportunity for them to prove their doubters wrong, right? They've just had a win over South, um, who were a top eight team when they played them. Now they've got to play the Titans, the Cowboys, the Knights and Raiders. They should be able to beat the Titans. And then now um, they've got and, – and you know what? I mean, uh, the Cowboys are not in the top eight. They should be able to beat them too. So – I think it's a real opportunity. I, I mean, I would look at it if you're a Sharks and if, you, if you're in the Sharks, you know, coaching group, you'd say, hey, motivation here, guys. You guys aren't really rated to – like you guys are a, a finals team, but you're not – you know, usually you don't fare well against other teams. Here's a chance to prove you, prove them wrong, you know, and they could they could go on a run. I think this is an opportunity for them to go on a run. They have to, I think. It's kind of like if they've got any chance of having a, a better season than last year, I think they have to do it. Um, but can they do it? <laughs> I'm not sure. And I think I just – I think it's inevitable for the Storm to just make it. I think that even the Raiders – I'm looking at the Raiders um, 
And I think that that, that minus the, the negative points differential really, I think it's going to hurt them. I mean, they could go out and absolutely blitz the Bulldogs, for example, but I don't think they could blitz any of the other teams, right? So there's there's no way they'll be able to catch up. I mean, because they're not just, um, you know, uh, they're, they're negative. So they're like 160 points difference, right? It's it's not going to be easy to 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 get that deficit right. So um, so yeah. So I, I just I, I think that that's what's going to hurt them. And and then look, maybe the Raiders themselves know that they can't make it, and they're just going to. I mean, they can only win it based on winning their next four games. And uh, I suppose their advantage is, is that they do get to play. I mean, if they could beat both the Storm and both the Sharks, I mean that puts them in a golden opportunity too, right? Because then. Um, you know, winning three out of the four is is going to be tricky. So, but I think for me, I think the Storm. I think I could, I could agree with you that the Storm are probably in the box seat here, um, and I think the Sharks are, are are an outside chance, but not really. And I think the Raiders. I think they could rule themselves out of points differential. That's how I would read the top four. Um, and then, like when you've just gone through that, you can kind of see clearly that actually the Warriors, the Bronco, the Warriors. Are, are going to be there in the top four no matter what because I don't think they've like yeah the, I mean the draw that you've read out for them is is very very simple compared to what these four have uh, these three have to face. Yeah, and I want to just sort of throw throw in there there is another a dark horse here if we're talking uh, the Storm only winning two out of their four or the Raiders there is one other team that could actually. Uh, <laughs> usurp them which is the knights now i know we're going to talk about this in the next one about the top eight but there is a a, an outside chance that the knights on 27 points at the moment uh and we'll talk about this in a minute but they've got bulldogs south sharks and dragons if they win all of those games they get to 35 points which if both the storm and the raiders can only muster two wins will put them a clear point ahead of both of them. So they've, they have, I believe they do have an outside chance of getting into um, the, uh, the top four, but it is very slim, which is why we've kind of focused on them really being in the box seat for the top, the the rest of the top eight. Um, so let's, without any further ado, let's go into tackle number three, where we're going to talk about the top eight and the race for that. So here we go. We've just spoken about the top four, but two of the teams we've spoken about, either the Storm Raiders or Sharks, will miss the top four um, regardless and and are in uh, – look, they could potentially miss the top eight entirely, but realistically we're thinking they're probably going to be in the bottom half of the top eight. So if that's the case, that leaves really two spots remaining – um, that uh, where we could see, you know, well, really we could see anyone even overtake the Sharks. Actually, if the Sharks aren't able to win more than two, then the teams below them are still in the hunt for really position seven and eight, and possibly even, uh, you know, if a few of them win, the, the Sharks could even drop out uh, com- entirely. So if that's the case, then what we've looked at is... Um, you know, four teams that we're going to include in this discussion for the remainder of the top eight, and that is position seven and eight at the moment, 
Um, and and those teams are the Knights, Souths, Eels, and Cowboys. I think we are officially ruling out Manly and the Roosters. Mathematically, they can make it, but there is a very important uh, little bit of trivia that suggests to us that that is going to be very, very unlikely, and that is that both uh, – well, not both uh, – all of Souths, Eels, and Cowboys – will have a buy in hand, and so that really automatically pushes them up. Essentially, they're on 26 now. They'll, they'll be on automatically 28 points regardless. So that makes it very hard for Manly and the Roosters to sort of catch up. So, um, And if as we're going to talk through who uh, they have left to play, you'll see that some are in a better position than others, and I think uh, all of them are in much better position than Manly and the Roosters. So for argument's sake, we're going to rule out Manly and the Roosters based on what we're seeing. Again, mathematically, they can still make and We can be completely wrong, but this is our kind of prediction. Um but I'm going to go through them all and uh, and we'll discuss, I think, uh, Tish, I'll, I'll hand over to you to sort of have a look at which way you think um, who's got the best, most likelihood of getting in. So the Sharks on um, 27 points are currently seventh and they have the Bulldogs, Souths, Sharks and, uh, sorry, there are, uh, Knights, I mean, have um, Bulldogs, Souths, Sharks and Dragons remaining. Um, and Souths will have... Uh, they're on, sorry, they're on 26 points. They're currently eighth, slightly different and, and above both the Eels and Cowboys in for and against. And they have the Dragons, the Knights, then they have a bye, and then they have the Roosters to finish off the season. The Eels, uh, are, like I said, on 26 points, they have the Broncos, the Roosters, the Panthers, and then a bye. And then the Cowboys have a bye, Sharks, Dolphins, and Panthers. Now, let me give you the first word on this, Tish. Based on what we've just heard, um, which of those teams do you think is more likely to have an easier run than others? Oh, good, <laughs> good question. All right. So, um, yeah, this is Sharks, Dolphins, Panthers. Now, that's still difficult, right? Uh, you only got yeah. So, I think if I start from the bottom, actually, Cowboys they've got at least twenty eight. Then they've got Dolphins 30, um, and then Sharks and Panthers is a bit of a toss-up, right, for them because um, you don't expect them to, to beat the Panthers. But although round 27, Panthers, minor premiers or second, do they rest a whole bunch of players? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, good point. Yes. <laughs> so that 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 so that is uh, – so what do you've got is you've got 26-plus – 4.30, and then you might have, you know, if they could get another win, yeah, if they could, yeah, because they could, yeah, so 30 to about 32 maybe. So then you've got the, okay, they are Eels, Broncos. Usually they do well against the Broncos, but this year's Broncos are a bit different, right? Mm. Roosters, Panthers, bye, <laughs> right? So, yeah, look, they've got the bye, but then they've they've really only got the Roosters really um, because the other two are teams one and two. Um, so that's that's difficult, right? So um, again, thirty, uh, you know, with with the two wins, and then you've got really tough ones. So I think they're going to struggle a little bit. Then you've got okay, now South out of form, South Dragons. Okay, they should because you know Dragons are, are down the bottom. Knights, kind of, they're uh, uh, you know in you know in the hunt sort of thing. 
they've got a buy and then they've got the roosters. So with them, you've got again the buy 28. You've got the dragons probably, so 30. And then you know, you should be able to beat the roosters. I know it's a bit of a grudge and you're coming off a bite, but you should be able to. So 32. So they're actually in a pretty good position um that way. Um and then you've got the Knights, Bulldogs um, should be able to win. Dragons, you should be able to win. So that's two. So 27. So that's 31 already. So that's sort of already, yeah. So actually, and then you've got the Sharks who normally don't do well against. So yeah, so actually, I mean, I was kind of going to rule out the Knights a little bit because of the fact they don't have a buy, but really they've actually got, I'd say that the Knights now probably have the easiest run um, based on what we know about the Sharks and the positioning of the Bulldogs and the Dragons. Um, but, uh, yeah, so and the fact that they're on in form as well, right, um, taking on teams that don't aren't necessarily in form. So I think the Knights are – yeah, I think the Knights are there. And, yeah, as you said, maybe maybe they're challenging for the top four. Maybe, maybe we've got it all wrong here. So, yeah, so to answer your question, I think the Knights – um, then probably South and I think the Eels and Cowboys, I think they're both going to struggle. Um, but, yeah, that scenario with the Cowboys and the Panthers at round 27, that's that's got me thinking a little bit different now about the Cowboys a little bit. Yeah, interesting analysis there. And I think the, we're basing a lot of the, the future predictions on what we've just seen in the last few weeks. And mm. what we've seen is the Knights really kind of going from strength to strength. So if, if I just take a quick look at, at their recent performances, forget you know, not forgetting that they have struggled a bit earlier in the year and did not look a chance recently. And then and then what we've seen, you know, the most recent one, they've defeated uh, the Dolphins 30 to 28 um, at their home. They flogged the Raiders 28 to 6 at the Raiders home. They beat the Storm 26-18 at their own home. I'm going backwards here. They've got, um, you know, the 34-18 against the Tigers. Then they had a bye before that. Before that, they had a 66-0 over the Bulldogs. They only lost 20-12 to the Panthers. Um, You can go further back. They're actually, look, they've been pretty competitive for the most part, you know, the, the, the Broncos before that in round 15, and again, we're going back to June here. So in terms of form, um, you know, if you just look at the last, say, three weeks, you're seeing that they, you know, they beat the Storm, they beat the Raiders, and and they just beat the, the Dolphins. Um, they, they've got good form going into these games. Um, you know, they've flogged the Bulldogs, you know, they gave them the heaviest defeat that I think they've ever had earlier in the year. So the Knights have been a bit kind of sleeping, uh, you know, the um, the dark horses here for quite some time. I think we've, we've kind of haven't really noticed them, but now they're starting to put things together. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we've got them up against, I think it's fair to say that they'll probably defeat the Bulldogs. And like I said, it's very, very likely that Bulldogs and Dragons will be taken care of based on what we've seen. Souths and Sharks are potentially different. And the difference is that, you know, they defeated... So the Knights defeated Melbourne when Melbourne had a bit of a few struggles. Uh, and and so that was very interesting. But also, you know, the Sharks and, and Souths have also had a bit of form slump at the moment. So I wonder whether... 
if that continues, then that means the Knights will, you know, potentially win all of them. But it's possible that now that Latrell's back, you know, they have to dust dust off a few cobwebs in the last game. Maybe they're going to, um, you know, Souths against the Dragons will probably get into the winning streak. And then by the time they meet the Knights in round 25, they might be ready to go. And then we might be completely talking about a different picture here. Um, then let's assume Souths win that. Then they've got a buy, And then they've got the Roosters at the end which basically uh, look could go either way because the Roosters maybe you know they've, they've got a lot of motivation against their traditional rivals. Um, they would love to play the spoiler at that point. If the Souths, if Souths are needing to win the last game to get into the top eight, you can bet that that Souths Roosters game is going to be a cracker. And do not expect Souths to be a favourite in that game because. Uh, you know, you just never know uh, what the Roosters are going to pull. Again, the Roosters have been underachievers this year. They've got really a really strong squad on paper. They could do anything. So don't rule out the Roosters. So all of that is suggesting that, you know, I'm just trying to find a, a, a dark cloud on the silver lining that we've talked about. We're trying to be positive mm. about all the teams, but there is a possibility that some of these lower teams will have the ability to spoil um, and and really, what that means is that Souths may be, may win two, may not. Uh, you know, two out of four maybe is what they can hope for, and in terms of points, including the buy. Um, but equally, they could lose all of those games. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, or, or yeah. Maybe not against the Dragons, but but look, the Eels, my Eels, are easily have the toughest draw. They've got the, mm, the two do. front runners, Broncos and Panthers. A Roosters team that is happy to spoil, and you never know what, like Eels and Roosters, you never know what you're going to expect. And yes, they do have the buy at the end. So you would hope that they, they've really got to give it their all in the next three games um, to put themselves in a position, A, to sort of improve their for and against. But also, once that buy happens in the last round, they can't do anything. They are relying on other um, teams and other <laughs> games. So, you know, really it's up to what they do in the next three games. So they've really got to act like the next three games are their final series and and Mm. they're all knockouts. They've got to win all three. Can they do it? Um, Look, this time last year would have said yes. (laughs) They would have had the wood wood on the Panthers. They don't this year. Um, But they have also showed some brilliance in terms of, um, you know, all sorts of things. This week's performance against the Dragons did not – instill much confidence in me, unfortunately. So out of the teams that are there, I think, you know, realistically the Eels are going to struggle to get into that top eight, which would be devastating for me because I thought for a long time, I thought they deserved to be there, but this is, uh, it it has not been their year thus far. Um, And then the finally, look at the Cowboys. They've got the bye first up this round, and then they have the Sharks, the Dolphins, and the Panthers. So they are progressively, well, no, not progressively. Sharks will be an interesting one against the Cowboys straight after a bye. Um, That could go either way. They could be meeting a Sharks team that has, uh, you know, rekindled their form and is on a high, and the Sharks could easily sort of defeat them then. Uh, And if that happens then the Cowboys are relying on defeating both the Dolphins and the Panthers to uh, to get into that top eight. They could defeat the Dolphins, but Panthers, not so sure. But your point about that resting the, the stars in that last round is actually a very interesting point. And, and you're right, this could actually mean the Cowboys are in the box seat to, um, to clinch that eighth spot. 
really, based on what we said, it's really one spot that it remains to be taken, which is the eighth spot. So it's it's really either going to be Souths, Eels, or Cowboys that get it. Um, judging by what we've seen, I think I think it's fair to say you could put um, the Cowboys as the favourites to get in, and unfortunately, that means the Souths and Eels might not get in. But it all depends on how the Knights perform as well. Um, again. They're only really one win away from, uh, you, you know, they're one point away from South Seas, Eels and Cowboys. So one drop game means that they're, they're out of the top eight <laughs> immediately yeah. almost. So, uh, it, look, fascinating, fascinating few weeks ahead. Um, as an Eels fan, I'm trembling. I'm, uh, you know, biting my nails because an Eels that w- doesn't make the top eight is something that hasn't happened for a while and will be extremely disappointing. Um, it may even mean that we uh, finally get uh, Brad Arthur moved on and get someone who's who's going to take us to the next level. Because as you know, I've been extremely frustrated about that. Um, and and yeah, even just based on uh, the coaches as well, we've got the Knights coach, it, pretty inexperienced. You've got a Souths coach who um, this week. I think looked a bit clueless in terms of his uh, decision making, and a lot of people are questioning Lachlan Ilias's inclusion. I think it was there was another play that was brought in that that sort of had a much better impact. So question marks around that. Brad Arthur, there's been lots of question marks about his coaching. Todd Payton, Cowboys, looks like he's in the box seat. <laughs> he's the most experienced and most likely to you know former coach of the year last year. So. Who yeah. knows what's going to happen? Coach um, of the year, right? Reigning, reigning, incumbent coach of the year incumbent. in Dell M's. That's right. So, look, what an interesting drama. I mean, we could we could do a yeah. real housewives of the NRL here. <laughs> There's so much drama here, but um, yeah. it's fascinating. Yeah. Yep. Well, I just noticed out of these top four teams, so uh, these top eight teams, uh, well, these eight, these four teams fighting for the eight. Um, the Knights didn't did not make it last year, but they seem to be have the easiest draw and are and are kind of ahead right now. Um, South, oh, sorry, Eels and Cowboys on the bottom end. They were top four teams last year, right? So you know, um, just making the eight, they're struggling to make the eight this year. It's uh, it's it's really shown how how it's kind of uh, you know. I, I know like week to week, and sometimes there's blowouts and. Yeah, there's like a huge reaction, but overall, I mean, I think the inclusion of the Dolphins and the way the you know the the salary cap is working, I think that whole idea of having different teams doing different things throughout the year, like you know, over the years, I think it shows that that it is actually happening in the middle of the competition, right? You know, um, but but then yeah, but Eels and Cowboys, I mean, like whew, it it is. It's it's yeah it'd be tough as a, as a supporter for for both these uh, teams right and um, yeah South Sydney as well like they they finished seventh last year um, I think if you look at their team on paper and you actually think about how they would perform against even a team like the Panthers I think a lot of people could say that they have a team that can uh, have enough talent in their squad to actually beat the Panthers. Um, who are who are obviously the minor premiers and you know the yardstick, but you know what the Panthers and the Broncos and you know even the Warriors have shown is that um, you know you might have a team full of superstars, you might have a team that are that are very well attacked, you know, great at attack and everything on this, but the weekly grind of you know playing, you know, uh, getting to training on time and 
working out what you need to work out and then like you know um you know recovering from injury well and then you know being being at your best week in week out it it's you know it takes more than just raw talent to be able to do that and um you know and that's why it's such you know that's why you know it's a 20 27 round grind you know where you're playing 90 minutes of contact sport um you know per week it's it it, it is it is tough in the NRL and um you know it's you know kind of kind of makes me want to respect the top three teams a little bit more about just how they've been able to do it because yeah um these teams who have got so much talent so many superstars but yet struggling this year to make the top eight it's 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 quite incredible really um you know you'd say that probably most of the origin teams come out of you know uh three of these teams so yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and look, I'll just finish off by saying, or we could be completely wrong with these predictions. Yeah. <laughs> so there yeah. you go. Um, all right, look, let's move on to tackle number four. I know you want to talk about this, uh, the Graham Annesley uh, rant. Here we go, tackle number four. Uh, Tish, over to you to talk about Graham Annesley. Well, look, um, yeah, look, NRL competitions boss Graham Annesley concedes three poor referee calls against uh, the losing team. So, uh, you know, uh, the NRL has admitted West Tigers, St. George, Laura, and the Dolphins all received incorrect refereeing calls over the weekend, uh, and all three lost their games by a try. Um, with the reference with referee blunders um, as being potential game changers, um, Graham Annesley, uh, you know, uh, admitted that Jack Whiten's pass, which led to Sebastian Christian in the second half, was clearly forward and like ridiculously forward. And then not only that, uh, later on in the game, uh, Dane Laurie said something to that um, touch judge official, and then you know he got a penalty for like mouthing off at the referee, right? And, uh, you know, Tim Sheens has obviously said that he was unhappy, even though he had a big smile on his face, uh, which is kind of weird. But, um, you know, with a number <laughs> of costly uh, referring calls. Look, you know, look, it is it is uh, when you're supporting a team that's not doing well like I am with the West Tigers, it is, it is so difficult when you do get uh, decisions that don't go your way and then to have it being admitted, to be honest, it hurts even more, right? Do you know what I mean? Because you know that... You were wronged. I mean, last year we were wronged as well with that whole, um, you know, the clock had expired. So, you know, it wasn't in the rules to be able to, to against the Cowboys and we should have had that win, but we didn't. And, you know, and then, you know, we sort of end up on the winning spin and all that kind of stuff, right? So I do, I do, I do, uh, I do have that sense, but I just want to be a bit more clear minded. And I think. If you actually look at these teams, the West Tigers and Georgia Laurent and the Dolphins and where they're currently sitting on the ladder, I think this is something that I'd saw seen in a documentary about the NBA, um, where um, you know it's kind of a known thing in in uh, that they've kind of admitted there, uh, and they call it something like superstar bias, right? Where you know, like you know, for example, like, uh, you know, one of the referees was saying that, you know, he used to referee during the Michael Jordan era. And then um, there was a, you know, he, you know, one of his very early uh, sort of calls is that, you know, he called uh, Michael Jordan for a, uh, for a traveling 
uh, violation because he took an extra trip when he was doing one of his like you know amazing slam dunks, and then so he called it, and then everybody was very unhappy, and then you know the commentators bagged him out and all this kind of stuff, you know, and you know, but you know, looking back at it now, it was it was true, but just the backlash he got kind of you know kind of made him uh, a little conscious not to penalise um, the superstars because of, you know, the scrutiny that you're going to come against type thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then that leads referees, you know, they get put under so much pressure and then you've got teams that um, are performing well and there becomes a bit of a, you know, I don't think it's their fault. I just think that they sort of, they get into this thing where they're like, oh, well, you know, Panthers are a better team or Raiders are a better team. Of course they're not holding down. Oh, of course it's not going to be a forward pass. Jack White, and he's a state of origin player, right? And they kind of um, get into this habit where they think that the teams lower than them, you know, don't have the skill set or don't have the discipline to, uh, you know, and that they're, they're the ones that are mostly in the wrong. And I think, and I don't, yeah, and, I, and you just see that kind of seems to, it always seems to, to the rubber little green always seems to go with the team that is doing better on the ladder, right? And and I don't know if it's because the amount of screw like I think it's just a psychological thing sometimes where because a lot of it is I mean let's be fair a lot of penalties are very subjective uh, in many ways and um, the line balls seem to always see seem to favor the team with more superstars and that's that's what probably happened in all three of these games. Um, uh, yeah, although, I mean, St. George of have a fair few superstars as well. They have Ben Hunt, right? So, yeah. But I think there is something to that. Um, so, look, what, the question is, what are they going to do about it? How, how does this – I mean, it's it's fair enough you could say the poor refereeing calls, but how are you guys going to get better as referees? I don't, I don't know. Um, your thoughts, Dr. T? Yeah, look, um, there's <sighs> – there's one thing that we kind of um, there's a couple of things actually happening here that that it, bias is definitely one of the factors, but there's also the general call for just better people in the bunker <laughs> that that are just better at understanding the game and better at making the right decisions. I mean, um, we saw that on the weekend where uh, you know my eels, uh, you know there, there was a lot of calls about the say Georgie Lawara thing and. And and the strip from uh, Gutherson would that would that have been called uh, at any other part of the field uh, or, or when it wasn't a try determining decision? Who knows? Um, I can see both sides of that, and I can see a lot of people saying, "Well, it looked like a strip. It looked like he went for the ball." Um, I personally don't think he did. I think it was incidental. It wasn't like he he wasn't even looking. He just sort of uh, leaned across and. And and his his hand came down and the ball popped out. So I think there are some uh, some people. The general you know uh, fan watches something like that and says that's an incorrect call um, and and doesn't really understand why it was made that way. I think when I saw that particular decision being made, there was no explanation at the time. It was just like. You know, uh, a matter of fact, it was stated, you know, he wasn't going for the ball and uh, therefore it's not a strip. And everyone who, who disagrees with that would think, well, no, I can see it look like a strip. But if the argument was made, well, we are determining that he couldn't have known it was a strip because he wasn't looking at it. 
and and it, it was a single motion it wasn't like mm. he felt around for the ball you know so imagine yourself you've got a blindfold on you're about to tackle someone essentially that's what gutherson was doing he was looking away went into tackle and in one motion his hand came down and the ball popped out now if he was truly trying to strip the ball First of all, what what are the chances of him actually putting his hand directly on the ball at first go, as opposed to um, you know feeling around for the ball and go, oh, there's the ball. Yep, I'm going to now strip it out. Um, it didn't look like that. So if they had only, well, I guess my point is, if they had explained it that way and said, mm. you know, on the basis of the way he's looking, the fact it was a singular motion, therefore we are anticipate, you know, we we're we're determining that that was not a strip, not a deliberate strip, therefore play on kind of thing, whatever. Um, you know, it's that kind of thing that I think people are missing. It's an explanation for the decisions so that and that really is the onus is on the bunker to get that right. But there's another factor that that in that affect the Tigers this in this round and, and others that I've seen. It's the forward passes. Now, forward passes can't be judged by the bunker. So this is purely on the on-field officials to get this one right. And I understand there's, it's, it's very hard to sort of get everything right and some things are very difficult. But I'm, I'm now leaning more towards, the more this has happened this year, we've had many of these discussions this year, Dish. I'm mm. leaning more towards the fact that why can't we get the bunker to rule on forward passes? You know, if you can rule on whether something knocked on was knocked on, you have to determine, okay, this has gone forward. <laughs> that determines a knock-on. Um, now, yeah. if they can determine, you know, whether, uh, you know, let, let's just say Ben Hunt kicks it high, one of their players goes up, taps the ball, looks like it goes backwards, but it, may, it looks like it might go forward as well to another player who scores, right, close to the try line. Um, the bunker can determine that ball looked like it travelled backwards or forward, and depending on what they determine, a try will or will not be given, all right, in that situation. Why can't you determine the same thing with forward passes? You can determine it went from here to there, therefore forward pass, no, no try. It's as simple as that. Um, you know, uh, if you wanted to use technology as well to draw a line and say where, where you cannot really tell, um, fine, do it. But again, if the, the question in the past has been, we cannot get the bunker to rule on forward passes because it's, why? I don't know, because it's too hard. Maybe it's, it's hard to, the angles are not right. Well, if the angles are not right for forward passes, shouldn't they not be yeah. right for knock-ons? That's my argument. So I think people just want, I'll stop my rant, but people want consistency. And the way to get consistency is to be very clear about why you are making decisions. And in the case of this forward pass versus knock-on thing, you know, it's inconsistent. It's a contradiction and it yeah. has to be dealt with. So either we scrap the bunker for both those types of decisions or we say the bunker can uh, judge on those decisions, in which case, you know, a lot of people have said lots of tries – have been scored with forward passes, blatant forward passes. You know, here is our opportunity to to revolutionise the way we look at it, and potentially those calls will be corrected uh, in the game, and we won't have to hear Graham Annesley <laughs> talk ever again Explain on it. a Monday about it. So, you know, over Tish, what do you think about that? Yeah, look, uh, look, uh, I agree. I've got, you know, because. 
I suppose uh, I've kind of been like, well, 3D, 2D angle, all that kind of stuff, right? But I've realized now that because what they do with the whole, um, uh, the ball travel forward because, um, you know, it, it traveled against the the fingers type thing, right? You know how they sort of do that thing where where they go, oh, okay, let's just see where the ball moved from after he touched it. Well, it went this way and it went that way after they touched it, right? So now, because that's how they sort of rule that. So I think now with the forward pass, yeah, you actually don't need to see that much. You just need to see when the ball leaves the hand, right, in which direction does it leave, <laughs> all right? Does mm-hmm. it leave closer, like, and... And the, and, and the thing about your hand, everybody's hand has two sides to it. They have the palm side and then the against the palm side, right? So your palm, like if you are running, if you are passing backwards, you know, the palm is going to be facing the try line that you're trying to score. Oh, sorry, the tri, your try line, right? So you just have to determine whether it is behind your fingers after it leaves or ahead in front of your fingers, really. And I think that would just determine it straight away. Um, and uh, you know, I think they need to like there was a there was another incident a few weeks ago, and it happened with the Tigers again. And, and look, because I watch all the Tigers games, and you know, I see this stuff. But it was like the um, you know, the idea of like, well, you know, the Tigers player was trying to uh, was trying to move the ball in a backward direction, and it moved in a backward direction because the laws of physics. That's why because he was. You know, when he's swatting it back, he's using, you know, he's he, it's an arc-like movement, right? And it's the it's his palm that hit him. His palm is facing his own goal line. So there is no physical way it could travel. Like the, the force of him swatting it back, it's going to go back. Um, and then, but they ruled it that it went forward, which just didn't make sense, you know? So um I think, yeah, so I want to see specialist bunker referees with a scientific background. You know, we need Sheldon Cooper in there, right, you know? Like just <laughs> yep. understand the basic laws of life or, or physics or whatever. You need that, right? I, th- I think that's if like perfect world scenario. And they're, they're <laughs> specialised bunker guys that don't they don't really referee the game because I think it's a different skill set, um, right? Because right now you've got like, like people who struggling to make the right decisions on field, being the same people who are making the decisions in the bunker, right? So, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that that's the thing. Um, and look, I, I also think that it's almost like you've got to have a limited set that sort of, you know, that's how you're going to get consistency, right? Because it's it's all, a lot of it is interpretation. So I think that's where the bunker can fix. And yeah, and, and you know, in-game, um, you know, if forward passes become uh, something that, can be judged on well there's less pressure then on the on-field guys about getting it wrong and i think that that less pressure might end up creating better decisions on the field anyway right because you kind of know that hey they will look at it and um you know um so even if i've got it wrong i've you know so let me just call what i feel you know um because yeah because that because that jack whiten one was it was i mean the guy caught it in front of jack whiten like, and there was a line, you know, the 40 meter line. So I just <laughs> didn't know how you could have got it wrong. So, yeah. Well, there you go. All right. Let's move on to tackle number five State of Origin returns to Perth.
All right. So following the successful doubleheader at Optus Stadium on the weekend, the NRL, in conjunction with the Western Australian government, has announced that Optus Stadium would host two more matches of State of Origin in the coming years. They are going to lock in Perth for the 2025 and 2028 State of Origin series, and that is in line with the uh, NRL's policy of one neutral venue and one home venue for each of the states in the three-match series. And, of course, you may remember next year and in 2026, we're going to have Melbourne uh, hosting uh, the uh, one of the State of Origin games. So we're going to see basically next year we're going to have Melbourne as the neutral venue, then Perth, then Melbourne, and then uh, I don't know who in 2017. Blank. Yeah. Blank in 2017. For, uh, which the we'll talk about in, for the moment. Let's talk about that in a minute. But, look, um, it's good news. We had, uh, you know, pretty big crowd there on the weekend for two club matches, really. And, uh, you know, last time we were there in 2022, last year we saw 59,000 or so uh, for game two uh, in 2022. So, um, look, uh, ARL Commissioner, uh, the Honourable Kate Jones, said, quote, State of Origin Perth has been outstanding success. We're delighted to be able to continue this partnership with the Western Australian government so look this is good news um but it begs the question what's going to happen in 2027 <laughs> it's uh there's a gap there and uh and really there's there's someone has come out saying look you know well it's really eden park ceo nick sortner says that he's in talks with nrl to bring the state of origin to new zealand now you remember i talked about this a couple of weeks ago we had the uh um uh, the CEO of the Warriors talking about, Can't you know, what, what is, what's happening. Yeah. What's happening with New Zealand and why not bring State of Origin? It would be, it'd be insane. And uh, we, I think we agreed. I think that was something that we, we said, yeah, NRL should do that. Well, the good news is there are in discussions about that. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, they are considering New Zealand as an option for 2027. Cam George, it was New Zealand Warriors boss. I forgot his name temporarily, but look, yeah, he's been a vocal supporter of of that as i said and uh and let's just say uh so sortner has uh given the following quote we're putting up our hand and saying eden park wants to host state of origin and we want to make it possible we will work with both the council central government but also the nrl i know the warriors crowds have been enormous at mount smart we're just hoping to see that growth of the game and that is something we've seen with the fifa women's world cup so this goes back to what i was saying initially in this podcast and he said, finally, the legacy, both on and off the field, can't be underestimated. And if league want to see a second franchise in New Zealand, what better way to demonstrate than having a state of origin at our national stadium? So, look, there you go. You can't get any uh, any bigger than that as a statement that it's not just about bringing a game for no reason. It's about bringing in a game with the view to expansion and with the view to... Uh, a second New Zealand team in the NRL. And I think that's the best way to bring it in to show people, look, if you want this to be a long-term thing, now's your chance to support us. And I think that will be really great. So Tish, Perth, New Zealand, what do you reckon? Well, firstly, I think awesome stuff to have uh, Perth announced again. Um, You know, I think Melbourne's been a great great city as well. Um, And then we've got Melbourne next year. Um, but then going back to Perth and then Perth again in, in 2028, like fantastic, you know, I think it's always been good. And as the crowds have shown, and there was a there was a real big noise over the weekend in those games at Perth as well. So I think the game 
or the interest level is growing. So I think you want to capitalize on that. So I think that's really fantastic. And who knows, you know, the Western Australian Bears, could we see them as the next franchise? You know, that could be it. Um, that's great. And then, um, yeah, so that that's fantastic. Now, New Zealand, I think we've talked about it a few weeks ago, and I think I think we're all on the same page here that really I think the after the COVID situation and what the New Zealand Warriors sacrificed, you know, Rugby League New Zealand, has been a little bit neglected here, right? Um, and maybe some people would argue a lot, not just a little bit. So I think a great make good is is 2027 in uh, in New Zealand, in Eden Park. You know, it's a big it's a big stadium. Um, you know, it's a stadium that hosts the Blood is Low and, you know, hosting World Cup FIFA games and all that kind of stuff. So I think it would be um, great. And as, you know, the 18th team gets talked about often, right? You know, um, a second New Zealand franchise. Who knows? The New Zealand Bears, maybe. I don't know. Um, that, <laughs> can, that can be it. So, uh, and look, the Bears are on my mind because I did meet a uh, at the FIFA at the women's game when I was watching it. There was a guy that was like, "Oh man, I'll go for the Bears, the North Sydney Bears." I'm like, "Oh, good on you, man!" Like, but you know, I had to give him a hug as well, you know. So. Um, but yeah, but look, um, you know, I wasn't sure. Like, you know, we we talked about twenty twenty seven because it hasn't been announced. It's kind of a gap, right? You've announced twenty twenty eight, you've announced twenty twenty six. You already know, like, yeah, what's happening with twenty twenty seven? So, look, I just did a quick Google Google State of Origin twenty twenty seven, and you know, one day ago on Fox Sports, they did they did um, you know, uh, say that there was a uh, that there was uh, Auckland Tourism announced it. Uh, you had, you know, some New Zealand outlets. But this was interesting. Loop Vanuatu, right? Uh, I don't know the newspaper, but a Vanuatu and newspaper in July was uh, Australian Rugby League confirms New Zealand could be the <laughs> play the state of origin as early as 2027. So, yeah, look, you know, the inside gossip coming from Vanuatu and, and even FBC, Fijian, news also reporting on it so that's the thing you know new zealand's kind of like the capital of the south pacific nations right so i think it's not just exciting for um for new zealand to get a state of origin i think it's going to be really exciting for some of the islander and polynesian countries out there where many of the nrl superstars play from and you know all come from i should say so i think I think it's a really a great move because I think it's going to kind of really galvanise quite a lot of elements of rugby, the rugby league community, um, which will be absolutely fantastic. So I say bring it on, you know. Um, yeah, like, yeah, what could, like, so exciting, you know. This is this has changed my mood from Graham Annerley, uh, Annerley uh, whatever, you know, referee. I, I forgot all that. Just thinking about State of Origin in New Zealand. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, let's keep the mood going because we are going to go into our tips. Tackle number six. Here we go. All right. We're almost at... Um, at the 80-minute mark, the full, almost at full time, and it's time for the tips. <laughs> uh, look, last round, I got six out of eight. You got four out of eight. That takes me to a total of 103, and you're on 105. So I am catching up. I've still got a chance. Um, but let's see how we go. This round, I think I'm going to predict some upsets. Uh, 
based on what we just spoke about. Manly versus Penrith at Four Points Park on Thursday. I'm tipping the Panthers. Yeah, look, I'm going to go for the Panthers as well. Sharks v Titans, Friday, 6 p.m. at Points Bet Stadium. I'm tipping an upset here. I know the Sharks are, are on a high, but I get the feeling that the Titans are brewing for something. So Titans for mine. Yeah, look, I'm going to tip the Sharks. I think it's a must win, so they have the talent to do it. So, yeah, Sharks for me. Broncos versus Eels at the Gabba, the Friday night big game. I think this is where the Eels will bring it all together. They will upset the Broncos, mark my words. Here we go, mm. Eels. Uh, I think the Broncos, because uh, I think the Broncos can be minor premiers this year. So, tipping the Broncos to 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 yeah to take this one. All right, um, Rabbitohs and Dragons at Barlow Park. I'm tipping an upset here, the Dragons. Yeah. Well, could be, but Barlow Park is the one that does it for me. I think the Rabbitohs always play well there. So, um, yeah, Barlow Park, the Rabbitohs for me. Tigers and Warriors at uh, Waikato. Uh, FMG Stadium, Waikato. I'm tipping the Warriors. Yeah, I'm tipping the Warriors too, but good to see the West Tigers taking a home game to New Zealand. Yeah, we spoke about that. Well done. They deserve better. (laughs) Um, All right. Roosters Dolphins (laughs) at Allion Stadium. Um, I am tipping the Roosters for this one. Mm, yeah, I'm going to tip the Roosters too. So, yeah, I think the Dolphins have fallen right off. But um, the Roosters still think they can make it, so I would love for them to win all their games and not make it. <laughs> all right, Storm and Raiders, we talked about this. This is at Melbourne, Amy Parks, but it's a 2 p.m. game. Mm. And, well, look, I'm tipping an upset here. I think the Raiders have what it takes to defeat the Storm. I think Ricky will get them fired up for this. And, uh, yeah, I think they'll beat them. Yeah, like, um, you know, Tim Sheens' 80s halves combination explode um, as they face each other for, like, but they've done that for so long. But I'm going to tip the Storm only because this game is at home for them. Right. Knights v. Bulldogs uh, at home. I think the Knights are pretty much unstoppable, so I think they'll win this one. Yeah, I think so too. I think the Knights, um, you know, another victory and then, what? Well, you know, six in a row, they could challenge for, for the – yeah, amazing. But, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the Cowboys with the bye, of course. And, look, yeah, that's our, those are our tips for round – what are we up to? Round 24 – um, enjoy your rugby league, everyone. Support rugby league. Let's forget that there is a, there are, there are other sports in town, but let's um let's focus on what we really love, the greatest game of all, rugby league. Um, that's uh, that's it for me. Uh, over to you, Tish, to wrap this one up. Yeah, well, thank you, Dr. T. Thank you, everybody, for listening. But that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We are your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now. <laughs>